3: And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans Studios. Oh, me, oh, my. When you want the ability to adjust your loan options in real time, friends, family, countrymen, Rocket can. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. That number brought to you by the fine folks at Geico. Save 15%. Find out more. Go to geico.com for details. We got worker shoot coming up in 20 minutes. We got overreactions and underreactions from week one coming up in an hour and 20 minutes. It is going to be a hell of a time, and you're going to want to be with us. In 40 minutes, I share with you where I basically talked to Baker Mayfield like he was my son earlier this week. The Browns had some problems, and they needed to answer it. And after that Thursday night game, Joe Burrow was the story. And damn it, Joe Burrow should have been the story. And Baker Mayfield should be thankful for it. That coming up in 40 minutes. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. I've already said it. It's Ryan Hickey on the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. Hickey, tell tell America hello.
0: Kenny, hello, hello, America.
3: I think they care. I think they care a lot. I watched your web show over the week. I saw your girlfriend. She actually exists.
0: I told you. I that, wasn't lying.
3: That's a story in its own right. Hickey's girlfriend really exists, and so do those Notre Dame sheets that you keep saying that don't. You're 26 years old. Get rid of the baseball fan. Get rid of the, get rid of the pennants on the wall. You're a grown man now. It's weird.
0: Well, I'm Comment. working on doing that by moving out, so I'm trying. I'm trying. Well,
3: wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're moving out?
0: Well, no, not yet. That's the goal.
3: Oh, God, I was, I was going to crank up the Billy Joel. You almost threw me off, Hick.
0: Sorry, sorry. False off. alarm, false alarm. Oh. What I, I do when it's official, you'll be the first person I tell. I won't even tell my parents first.
3: You and the charcuterie princess might be moving in with each other here soon is what you're saying.
0: No, not soon, and that's the goal. I'm hoping to save oh, some. Oh, God.
3: You know. So what are we doing here? What, what, is, the, what is the deal? How long?
0: I don't know. Maybe by the new year, hopefully, and things—that's you know, soon. That's things soon. Cool that's I mean,
3: it's, it's almost October, buddy. That's right, soon. We'll see. You know, it's—it's it's, the <laughs> pandemic
0: is in, is in control. The coronavirus, if it wants to go away, you know, do everyone a favor here. And oh, go I'm glad away. you brought
3: it up. Well, that's good. Maybe. That's good. I'm glad you brought it up. Sets me up well, perfect. Perfect. You can't just keep blaming everything on that hickey. Okay, you're gonna have to live your life at some point. It w- relatively safe, obviously, but you gotta live your life at some point. When well, I'm—I'm glad you brought it up. Because you're going to get me worked into a lather or perhaps even worked into a shoot, even though that segment is coming up next. I was worried, you know, when, when I'm on Twitter, and it's at Ken Carmen on, uh, on Twitter, most of my tweets are, one, promotions for what we're going to say on air. I don't like giving strong stuff on Twitter. And the reason is, is because I think it's I'm giving it away. I got something I can sell. That's why I can tell you, go to the radio.com app. It's absolutely free. Listen to CBS Sports Radio. Listen to 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Listen to us. You can rewind 15 seconds or as much as 24 hours. Hear what we said and then what I say to you. You can agree, disagree, laugh, cry, be angry, whatever you want to, but I can provide context for what I'm saying. Twitter, it's always in the head of the person who's reading it, and that can be a dangerous thing. So I rarely do it. Most of what I tweet out, is promotions, ads, jokes, which can be scary, obviously, and just retweeting listeners. I really don't like it to go, this is my big opinion on this or my little opinion on that. I really don't like to do it because I can do it here. I can, I can hope that you'll join me wherever you're at and on a serious XM206 and we can go on. But there are certain things that every now and then, I will provide something that I think is strong. And I was worried about it. Gosh, I was worried about it back on... This would have been Wednesday the 16th. Because if I'm going to share the opinion, I want it to count. And when the Big Ten came back, I put up a quote. In all caps, I wrote, THE BIG TEN IS PLAYING FOR MONEY! Then I wrote, "They're also putting kids on campus because of money." Two wrongs might not end up right, but let's not bleep each other here, okay? Let's not lie to each other. And I, I sent it, and then later on in the show, because I, I, think I sent it during the show on Wednesday morning. I went, eh, "A lot of people are excited. I hope I didn't go. I hope I didn't use a straw man here." And we, it, the straw man is where you either form an opinion yourself that's contradictory to, to what public sentiment is, and you, you attack that theory, even though there's none of those theories going on. It, it's not true. We do that a lot. We do that a lot in a lot of different things. There's always a straw man, and there's p- numerous examples, especially in, in the NBA, professional sports, where there's a straw man. That's, it's it's just not true. No one's doing it. It's the same thing I, I brought up with participation trophies. I really do think, and we had callers on it, but I really do think participation trophies is a straw man. Everybody seems to hate them. I was nervous I did that well all I had to do was wait a little bit later on because in the afternoon Christine Brennan USA Today quote note the day 9 16, 20, the day the vaunted Big Ten became the SEC it choked it got scared it sold its soul for football promoting her column on the darkest day in Big Ten history On the darkest day in Big Ten history. Now, this is a person who has been in sports journalism since before I was born. I, I've watched Christine Brennan my entire life. I, I've told Hickey during the week, and I told Pierno even during the breaks today and, and earlier in the week that I've been watching her talk about sports, commentate on sports, reading her form an opinion on sports since I really could read. I, I, I've been watching sports my entire life. It was the, my first love, and it's still my first love. So I I don't say with what I'm saying, I don't mean to say it to be dismissive of somebody who, who certainly carries a very big hammer when it comes to sports journalism and opinions. But I think it's asinine. I think it's really asinine. And I read the article. And I tried to see it her way. And at the end of it, I was relieved that I'm not using a straw man. Even though you could say, well, that's one person, Ken, maybe you very well are using a straw man. Well, again, I say that she has gravitas, certainly gravitas that I don't. And so that wouldn't use a straw man. So there was part of me where I was relieved, but really I I was appalled at what I read. And I don't use those words lightly. I was appalled at what I read. Because I know that it's for money. We all know it's for money. But we can understand something here, and, and let me use a quote by <laughs> let me use a quote from a movie of all things: "Greed is good. Greed can be good because greed can provide opportunity. There's a lot of nasty things that happen to the pursuit of money. You can ruin lives, you can ruin your own lives. There are plenty of things that are very, very bad about greed. But you can also see, in this case, with the Big Ten and with college sports, America, greed is good. Because first off, this is college football. And we say we're putting people at risk. We are using resources for what? For the entertainment of America So one idiot who didn't even go to the college that he likes can argue with another idiot that didn't even go to the college that they like that that person's the bigger idiot and they could say that because their team beat another team on a football field. But it's not just that. It's a $50 million share of television revenue that each one of these schools get that don't just go to football. It provides opportunities. It's the same exact opportunity argument, I'm going to get angry, I'm going to get animated during this. It's the same exact argument I've talked about when it comes to paying players. That's where times greed isn't good because they'll operate like a business, just like they are now. They'll operate like a business. And because we care about great college football players and we feel it's fair that they should be paid, and this is a capitalistic system, we know and we should know, and this is why I just remind everybody, that these are colleges and they will operate as businesses because they are that. And so that means if, that I, if I pay junior, then that means I'm going to take away opportunity. And right now, they don't pay junior. They give a stipend and all that other stuff. But if I have $50 million coming in, you know what that does? That keeps some coaches employed. That keeps some lights on in some facilities. That provides scholarship opportunity to people in other sports that we don't watch and bicker with each other on Saturday afternoon. Opportunities for partial scholarships or even full scholarships that those people may not have. That could be something that if they take advantage of the opportunity given to them, and at times this is tough, if they take advantage of the opportunity given to them, can change their life and the lives of those around them that they get to take advantage of the network of alums that went to these schools at the University of Michigan with some of the most powerful people in the world as alumni, that went to Ohio State, the Ohio State University, and Penn State University, and even Rutgers and Purdue and schools that we don't even think are very good at football. Northwestern, sure as hell, Northwestern. It gives them the opportunity. I'm not talking about running backs and safeties and guys who are going to be... Uh, guys who are going to be special assistants on the football team. I'm talking about people who are running track, who are playing softball, who are playing baseball, who previously might have to go seek another opportunity, but if enough of those go away, then we don't have the thirst for it anymore. It's a very finicky house of cards, something that I don't think is even great, but it's the system that they have, and until we can find a way to systematically change that system, this is what we've chosen. So there's a case where greed is good. On the dark day of football, inciting that there's resources that are given to to the Big Ten that are not given to other people, the, the elderly in Ann Arbor, that was mentioned there. We are adults. The players are adults. We know that there are things that we are in control of and things that we're not in control of. There are inequities in America. There are inequities in life, and we know that those inequities are wrong. And we'd love to change it in what Christine Brennan was writing there. It is probably an effort to change. I, I can't say that everything is wrong. I see the effort there. The asinine point I'll get to a little bit later. The inequities are wrong. But we are still trying to provide opportunities To those who want to do it, because remember, when you are over 18 years old, whether we want to call you college kids or not, adults or adults, the decision is the decision. You can be coerced into a decision because the rent is due, you can be coerced into a decision because you got to put food on the table. These college aged adults are making the same decisions you made to go work at your non essential business. These are college-age adults who are making the same decision you made to go to work to the other places that you go to that are essential businesses that you need to work in. It's the same thing. It's a different proxy. It's the different maxim of having to look at, well, do I have to pay the rent here? Do I have to feed the kids here? A lot of college-age students, a lot of college-age adults Don't have to make those decisions, but they are doing something for what? For a better opportunity to live, for a better opportunity to continue to thrive. The same reason we went to work today. The same reason you went to work today. And you might not be a doctor, and you might not work at a grocery store, but you took the same exact risks for the same exact reason. We are adults. This is America. This is what we were founded on. This is what we were supposed to do. We take necessary risk. We mediate the risk the best we can, knowing we must provide safety to each other and to ourselves. We put on masks. We wash our hands. We take this and we swallow it. We deal with it and we try to put it in our past. Because if we don't, we cannot move on as a society. And that's not just the United States, that's everywhere across the world. There are things that we deal with, that we must deal with. And we know that there are inequities. But these are, the science is still not true. The science is still not altogether certain. I know that. And that's part of being an adult in the world, not just America. We know that we have to go through with this, not just with college football. There doesn't have to be college football, but for the reasons that we just spoke about and the way that the system is built, yeah, it kind of has to be some college football. Or some people are going to lose their ass and lose their jobs, and schools are going to lose their ass and lose their jobs, and we're going to take away opportunities from people who are not trying to lose their ass and lose their jobs. We are adults. And yes, the science changes, and it's confusing, and it's frustrating. We don't know the risks. We know there are risks. And we forge ahead. But even through that, that's not why I was appalled. That's not why I thought that this, that this peace was drivel. That's not why I thought it was asinine. The darkest day in the Big Ten... The darkest day in the Big Ten on September 16th, 2020, was a bunch of adults looking for opportunity. That's what the darkest day was in the Big Ten, that they wanted the opportunity that, that college football players, and remember, if you play in the Big Ten, even if you play at Northwestern or Rutgers, there's still a lot of those players in the back of their heads, especially in a place like Rutgers, Go Ask Bill Belichick, where they think they can play for money someday. And they want that opportunity to show that they're they worthy to be paid in the future of playing for money and putting something on tape. No we'll Astridavious White about that extra year. Made him a lot of money. That's the darkest day. People in this country, young people, young adults in this country, taking their platform to its highest level, pushing to be allowed to play football knowing that there are risks. Being sensitive to those risks. Knowing that there are inequities. And yes, they get advantages that sadly, and I, uh, let me underline, sadly other people are not able to take advantage of. I, I, I know this and you know this. But that's still what we've cultivated, good and bad. And while we'd like to work against those inequities, we still need to do what's best for ourselves and try to continue to do what's best for ourselves and each other. That's the darkest day in the Big Ten's history. It's not, it's not the Richard Strauss allegations at Ohio State. That's, that's not the darkest days of the Big Ten. This, people wanting to play football, is, is the darkest days in, in, in the Big Ten's history. The Larry Nassar allegations aren't some of the darkest days in the Big Ten's history when, when people looked at, 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 at people who were predators and they looked the other way. Those are not the darkest days in the Big Ten's history. This is the darkest days. According to this, this, this piece here, this opinion, today's the darkest day. This is, when, this is when the Big Ten finally sold their soul for money, for football. Really? Wasn't, it, it Wasn't Jerry Sandusky forcing his will upon children, people who don't make their own decisions? Wasn't that wasn't generations of people knowing, saying, not saying anything, whispering behind each other's backs, maybe knowing something, but not wanting to say anything. Those weren't the darkest days of the Big Ten. These are extreme examples because it's the truth. This is an opportunity for young people. Writing this type of filth is dangerous. Writing this type of thing is wrong. There are things that we can control. There's things that we can't control. We know Because you're not stupid. You know they're doing this for money. That's why they let 40,000 kids on campus at the University of Michigan. Because academics make them money. Not in the paling of comparison of what athletics makes for colleges. It's not even close to the ballpark. They didn't want to lose that. They wanted to make sure that you get that college experience because they don't want you to know that you can get a pretty decent education online and not have to pay for room and board Intuition and, and the 90% markup on some of those classes that you can find in any sort of scholarly journal that you want. And I want you to know that. We know it's about money. We're not comfortable with it all being about money, but we understand that money engineers opportunity. The darkest day in the Big Ten was this. I've used a lot of different language during this thing. This is where virtue signaling becomes dangerous. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Just over 20 minutes away, the biggest story after the Browns beat the Bengals was Joe Burrow. That's the way Baker Mayfield should want it. Up next, it's work or shoot. It's Ken Carman on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carman Show on CBS Sports Radio. Eight five five two one two four CBS we'll push back worker or shoot we got people in on this you know there's people pushing back they're saying well no they're kid-. no they are adults they know the decisions they make these kids when you got guys when you go into adult land when you're 18 years old we I you vote you pay taxes there's big boy decisions according to Uncle Sam that you make now I may say that yeah me at 18 I was not an adult I did not have the adults mindset but in a lot of cases in life, I'm expected to have the adult's mindset. At eight, even at 18 years old, I'm expected to have the adult's mindset because I was afforded the opportunity that I could go ass off and be a goofball when I was 18 years old. Doesn't make it excusable to not act like an adult in certain instances. These are adult decisions. These young adults want to play. These young adults want their opportunities. And putting them on the field, With all the proper precautions, it's not, hey, go out there and make out with each other and it's the Wild West. No. With the proper precautions, it's not about just, well, health and safety and the pandemic and everything. No, we are talking about generations where there will be people who are affected by this. Opportunities lost. We've seen it. And we're talking big-time college sports. We have already seen it. Stanford has cut athletic programs. Other major universities have cut athletic programs. These are opportunities. If you're in line to go to Stanford, I'm willing to bet you're probably going to be okay more than likely. There's a lot of other opportunities. I don't know if that's always the truth. So we we do have to think a little bit about, well, we got to think about the greater good. Yeah, I think we are also thinking about the greater good and letting people who want to make that decision to play, play. We all find reasons to do things and to not do things. It is up to every one of them. And because there might be a few who don't, they have that opportunity. They do not have to play. The other ones who do, and it seems as if the vast majority do, they are afforded that opportunity. We hope so. Eight five five two one two four CBS. I gotta get to Craig and Charlotte. Craig, you're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead.
2: Hey, hope you guys are doing well on
3: Saturday. Same to you, my friend.
2: So I'm calling from Charlotte. So I'm an A C C guy. I just find it fascinating her article, because she's a Northwestern grad, I think she has a degree from there, but um, in my feeling, I think she's trolling, in a way, because she knows the Sandusky, you know, Nassar and all those, or something that children were involved in, and I really don't understand how she could just throw that out there, but it's like, she wanted to throw more stuff out there, as far as the conferences and everything else, is that football and, you know, sports rule, and so she's just I think kind of she's trolling, but in a way, I think she's complaining about it. But if you see what I mean, when I read her article, like between the lines, she's, she's, she's picking at people. She's poking everyone in the eye, like you guys on the radio and sports center. She's poking everybody because she just wants more conversation to show. Look what happened at Penn State. Look what happened at Michigan State. These guys and these women I can see that. just want money. So. Anyway, what I find kind of funny, I, I want to get your opinion on that. I, you may think that I'm totally wrong, but something funny is the Pac-12 held hands with their big brother, right, the Big Ten as far as sports go, jumped oh. off the cliff together and thought the other three would follow. Mm-hmm. I have a work peer. I've known him for 25 years, and I just turned 50. I've known him for 25 years, and his uncle just happens to be extremely successful and has a $20 million endowment at USC, Southern Child. Okay. He went He went to the administration and basically said, I'm not the only one that's going to pull a bunch of stuff if you don't get this right. So it's interesting. It's not just pressure from the TV issue. It's pressure from the alumni because they're embarrassed oh, yeah. because they were told, yeah. you know, they were told the Pac-12 presidents and chancellors and the Big Ten, they got together and they figured, they they confirmed and it, it absolutely pricked their finger in blood that, if we both two go our two conferences, the other ones will go with it. But my understanding from the ACC is they never gave a formal notification, right? Formal correspondence to say, "Hey guys, we're going, and we hope you follow," or whatever. They just assume that.
3: Oh, so, I don't think there. Were, a, yeah, there, I don't think there was anything. I don't think that there was anything official between. Of the Big Ten and the, and the Pac-12, and I, I might very well be mistaken. I don't think there was anything official between them to the other conferences. Like, yeah, That's I think what, they were yeah. holding hands, but I don't That's think there what was I anything mean. to the other conferences. The
2: ADs, the athletic directors were talking, but as far as the, the top decision-makers, presidents, chancellors, et cetera, they did not communicate yeah. because ADs can say everything they want. Craig, anyway, um, you guys have a great day and thank you. take care.
3: Yeah, Craig, uh, thank you very much for the call. That's, uh, we all make decisions – where we mitigate what we need to do based on the risk. We do it in everyday life. And no, I, I don't want to compare this to other things that happen in life because I don't think that car crashes are contagious. People like to use that example. I go, no, no one came down with a, with a case of car crash. <laughs> no, nobody, you know, nobody came down with a, with a case of work accident. That's not the comparison. But we we live life every day mitigating risk and and including through pandemics. And there are things that, yes, we, we should be open to admit that the ramifications of not doing X or Y or Z, the ramifications of that are so severe to us that we must exhaust every possible viable option to be able to do this, to be able to play college football, to be able to have professional sports, to be able to do a lot of things, to be able to hold any sort of conferences, any sort of things where there are sponsors who need their name out there and we need to pay bills. Anything like that. It's not just with major college football or pro sports. Rodeos, fairs, conventions, anything. Regular work. Regular, non-essential landscape companies. Regular, non-essential work. Eight five five two one two four cbs Coming up next, we'll try to get to you guys, work or shoot, and I got to get this thing off my chest about Baker Mayfield because the story's about Joe Burrow, and if you're Baker Mayfield, you're thankful it's that way. It's Ken Carman on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855 cbs Tomorrow on NFL on CBS Doubleheader. The early games highlighted by an NFC matchup between the Giants and Bears along with the Broncos squaring off of the Steelers. Then in Game 2, Patrick Mahomes and the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs face the Chargers or the Ravens taking on the Texans. It all starts with JB and the guys on the NFL today at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, tomorrow only on CBS. Are we going to have that? No, we're going to do work or shoot. You and I have to have that tipping discussion, do we not? The delivery fee discussion.
0: Yes, we do.
3: I was tooling around on Facebook during the break, folks. I know I'm not supposed to do that. A Facebook friend of mine, I was going to say they bitched about a delivery fee, and I think it's a pretty asinine thing to bitch about. But I'm going to bring this up a little bit later on because we got work we got to do. We got work to shoot. I got something I got to get off my chest probably at 1 o'clock about Baker Mayfield because I've been holding it in for a long time. We got overreactions and underreactions. I think Bill Belichick already has his Tom Brady scenario playing out. There's a lot to get to for the rest of this show. 855 cbs 855 That number brought to you by the fine folks at GEICO. Guess what? You can save an extra, extra 15% on motorcycle, car, car, and renters insurance. Go on over there, geico.com. They're fan, fantastic people. Hickey, you ready? Always ready. It's time for Work or Shoot. Can I talk over this, or is, is the big voice guy going to pop on?
0: No, there's no big voice guy. You can talk as much as you want.
3: Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Okay, work or shoot is done like true or false, except work is false, and shoot is true in the wrestling parlance of our time. So if I say it's a shoot, it's true. If I say it's a work, it's false. Why call? Why not just call it true or false? Because everything's called true or false, and I don't want it to do that way. And I'm a big fan of professional wrestling. Hence, that's why we have Gold Dust music playing in the background. So, Hickey, let's do it with work or shoot. Follow along. All right, Kenny.
0: So, big news this week: that is the Big Ten is returning back to play this fall, and they, they will are. Turn. They are. How about that? Oh, Did you hear? Did you well. know?
3: I had no idea this is a major development, America.
0: Maybe we should hit on it on the show. Maybe next We should hour. talk
3: about this. I just read an article on USA Today saying I'm a bad person for watching.
0: Bad guy, Ken. You know, it sounds about right. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so they will return in a month, and with that, they bring two championship contenders back in the fold. Ohio State and Penn State will, will return to the field. and oh, I love qual- how you
3: just had to include Penn State in there, huh?
0: Ken, huh. if you let me continue. Oh, okay. The Buckeyes are ranked number two in the preseason, A, poll. Well, the Nittany Lions come in at number seven. They're a top 10 team. They're a championship contender. Would you not say the number seven ranked team uh, in the preseason a is a State championship fan. contender?
3: Bu- you're, you're a Penn State fan. I'm, I'm busting your pills. Go ahead.
0: You Ohio State fans.
3: I'm not an Ohio State <laughs> fan.
0: <laughs> now I'm busting gonna, like, your pills. Raise my
3: mic up off my face because I got that angry with you. Go. <laughs>
0: Look at that! Come on, just a few pals busting each other's chops.
3: Yeah, just piling around. Go on with the question. So work Ohio shoot, State did receive
0: a big boost with both Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade both opting to return back in after initially opting out. So work or shoot? Ohio State is the best team in the nation.
3: Uh, I think that's a work. I think that's a work. I I think that work. they were. I actually think they were a better team last year than Clemson. I just think that they're a ghost. Clemson is a team that Ohio State just can't get you, from 1978 on, folks. I, I think it's just a team they can't they can't answer to. I mean, they had it right there in their hands last season and they weren't able to. So I can't call them the best team in the country. I mean, if you look at talent, if we're just looking at talent, then yeah, I guess you can say that. But you know that in 50 cents is going to get you a cup of coffee. No, I, I would put Clemson above them. Um, I think Ohio State is right up there. But hey, you haven't proven anything. You, Clemson beats you, beats you on the regular. They either beat the brakes off you or they still beat you. So no, nope, no, 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 no. Until you do that, then we can have that discussion in the future because I don't think Clemson was as good of a football team as Ohio State last year and they still got him. Next. Work. All right, yeah, so that's a work.
0: After yet another blown double-digit lead, a screen match erupted in the Boston Celtics locker room after Game 2 on Thursday night. Marcus Smart was one of the players who was very vocal as well as, as well as other players, with Brad Stevens having to call a 1 a.m. team meeting to calm everyone down. So work or shoot, the Eastern Conference is already over and the Heat will advance to the finals.
3: I think that's a shoot. Shoot. I can't believe... Talk about a great coach in Eric Spolster, by the way. I mean, how, how much of an underrated coach is it was Eric Spolster? Remember the time... When they first all got together, the big three first got together, and there was Eric Spolstra, and we were ripping Eric Spolstra for admitting that guys were crying in the locker room back in the day. You were probably like 10 years old when that happened, Hickey. I was that 15, was a big, and
0: yes, that was I a do. big that deal. Was, he was and not LeBron, considered a good coach.
3: LeBron pumping into Eric Spolstra, and now, I mean, good God, by the time, if this team completes this, like, they'll probably, I would imagine they'll lose to LeBron in the finals. But you're making a finals run here. You're not Greg Popovich, and you won't be Greg Popovich, but (laughs) I think that Eric Spolster is exposing that Brad Stevens may very well not be God's gift to coaching basketball the way that some people see. It it might very well be Eric Spolster. Because it's one thing to have LeBron and to deal with LeBron. It's a whole other thing to keep that team competitive and keep them on the right track. I mean, they have guys that you know Jimmy Butler – and there's a lot of people that people don't pay attention to on that team. They pay attention to the Celtics and Tatum, and they don't pay attention to the Heat the way they used to. They certainly wouldn't. I mean, this is this is good team basketball that's being played here, folks. The Heat are the example. Boy, this is this this might end up being a segment later on in a couple of weeks or so. But they are the example of team-oriented basketball when they were the team that, that got the whole thing started. They might be the new San Antonio Spurs. Jimmy Butler's a great player. Now, there's nobody who's Tim Duncan, who's a, who's a top five forward in the league, league's history. There's no, nobody like that. But this is, this is something else, just putting the drama on those guys. making When you're making teams consecutively frustrated enough where there's infighting, both with the Bucks and Celtics, that means that you are doing things that they simply aren't willing to do because they're all good they're all good basketball players. Nobody came up out of nowhere in a 7 game series and surprised anybody. That's why there's 7 games cuz you're proving who is the better team overall. You can do it on one day. You really can't. You really shouldn't be able to do it over a 7 game series. Every now and then it happens, but it really shouldn't be that way. So you're supposed to be exposing each other. And I think the Heat are showing that they're willing to do things that other teams aren't. So I say yes, that's a shoot.
1: Shoot.
0: Next. All right, Kent, So after winning Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals last night, the post-game discussion from the Lakers' perspective wasn't about Anthony Davis' great game or that the Lakers are three wins away from their first Finals appearance in a decade. Instead, it was about the MVP voting, where Giannis Antetokounmpo won his second consecutive MVP award and LeBron James finished second, garnering just 16 out of the 101 votes. That was the
3: worst thing that could ever happen to the Denver Nuggets is that they announced that before <laughs> that game. If you're the Denver Nuggets, you got to be looking around going, are you serious? Really? I just couldn't wait until after the season. Go ahead with the question.
0: Couldn't have couldn't waited a week for that one? So yeah. work or shoot, the MVP voting was accurate and didn't slight LeBron at all.
3: Oh, that's a that's a work. What? That is 100% work. I, I, I spent a whole segment on it earlier, and I know maybe you were driving in there, Hickey. I think we're tired of LeBron. And this still goes back, and I don't mean to put everything to Michael. I know you guys are tired of it, but I have to. I think it goes back to that conversation. Because with Michael, remember, Michael had serious tragedy in his life. America rallied around him. He went and he played baseball. We found that to be interesting. Then he came back and we, we wanted to see could he beat Houston. He lost when he first came back to Orlando in the playoffs. Could he actually make that team what it was before and he won three straight championships? It was interesting. And remember, he was playing veterans and Carl Malone and John Stockton who were trying to get over on him, and that was an incredible team. So it was always fresh with Michael. Because there were guys that were in certain cities that we rooted for and against and we all respected. Because Ewing stayed in New York with John, with, with John Starks. You had the Pistons at the very beginning, Isaiah Thomas. You had the Utah Jazz, which I just talked about. You, there were guys who were in places. They were there most of their careers, if not their entire careers. And these were fights. Indiana and Reggie Miller. These were fights, and we picked our sides, and it was fun. Now with LeBron, he gets this thing started, and we just blame why we don't like basketball anymore on LeBron. And we, and every time we go to pass the torch to somebody else, and I'm the we is the media. The we is the, the, the American sporting public, even. We want to pass the torch to Kevin. Kevin wasn't man enough to take the torch, not. Uh, we tried to pass the torch to, to James Harden. That's a big, fat no. Dame Lillard's fun, but Dame Lillard's never going to get to a finals in Portland. That's a no. Hate to say it. Who else do we try to do? We'll, We'll try to do it with Zion. We'll try to do it with Luka. You name a cavalcade. Giannis. Giannis accepted this from his couch last night. No, that's a no. Big fat no. We have tried to pass the torch of LeBron to so many players, and none of them are as dominating as LeBron or as good for as long. He has been a stale storyline of greatness for a lot of us for a long time. Because what else do I say about the guy? What can I say about the guy? Well, I'm sure he has something to say about his kid getting caught smoking dope on TV yesterday. Called it dope. got him getting real old. But he might have something to say about that. Fine, I guess we could, we could try to take shots at him, but that's a little bit greasy. What else? Oh, there's the China issue. We could go ahead and take shots at him on that, but on the floor... It's just one milestone that's broke after another and we're like, Yeah, we get it. LeBron's good. We we keep saying it all the time. Yeah, we got it. And so we pick other people. It's it's the most it's the it's the most popular player award. It is not the most valuable anymore. Next.
2: So I Joe said work.
3: I said work. I know, I know. Okay. Go ahead. So,
0: so Joe Burrow's Bengals career has gone off to a good start so far as the former number one overall pick has thrown for a combined 509 yards and accounted for four touchdowns in his first two games. Burrow played even well enough to almost, almost pull the upset over the Browns on Thursday night. So work or shoot, the Bengals won't finish in last place in the NFC North this year. Or I'm sorry, That's in the work. AFC North this year.
3: That's a work. Work. They're, they're not a good football team. Joe Burrow's a good quarterback. They're not a good football team. And I got to tell you, I don't know if I would have thrown the ball 61 times. I, he Listen, he had a good game getting his head kicked in. Brown's defensive front was all over him. I think he's a good quarterback. He's a very talented quarterback. I don't want to say nasty things about Joe Burrow. I like Joe Burrow. But 316 yards on 61 attempts. So I'd hope if you're throwing the ball 61 times, you're going to have 316 yards. That's only 5.5 yards per attempt. That's less than 5.5 yards per attempt. It's like 5.1. Hey, I, I like Joe Burrow a lot, but... It, not even talking about pumping the brakes. Let's just give, let's give it what it's due. Let, that's all I'm saying. I think that's a work. I think they're a last-place football team still. They'll be a competitive team. It's going to take a couple of years. Next, look.
0: Lastly, Kenny, we'll do this one quick. There's been a lot of differences for the Major League Baseball this season. One of those is expanding the postseason from 10 to 16 teams. Well, most of these changes are just for this year, just for the 2020 season. Rob Manfred told the Washington Post that the owners love the expanded postseason and that it could be here to stay. Workers shoot, the expanded MLB playoffs actually hurt the sport more than help it.
3: Oh, that's actually a, uh, that's actually a work. What? You, you swerved me there at the end. That's actually a work. I've, I've advocated for expanding the playoffs a little bit. I didn't think you should have eight teams aside and make that permanent. I, I think you get a chance to tell more stories there's more people playing at big stages, so you get to do both of those things. I think it, it leads to more stars, more people that you're interested in, but it, it kills your regular season. You're playing 162 games for what now? What are we playing 162 games for if you're going to put if you're going to put eight in a side? It doesn't matter. All right, I know a lot of people were rolling their eyes with what I just said about Joe Burrow. The national story after Thursday was all about Joe Burrow, and that's why Baker Mayfield should have been happy about it. And I'll explain why because I got pretty cross. With the Browns Young quarterback back on Monday. It's Ken Carvin on CBS Sports Radio.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H track, all wheel drive, and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe.